Psalm 103 today. Psalm 103 is a very powerful psalm, and it's one that you need to understand today. I don't care what your background is, what your religion is, but through Psalm 103, we start getting an accurate picture of what God is like. Psalm 103 not only reminds us of God's blessings towards us, but also his character. And his character paints his portrait. Depending on your image of God and how you perceive him, Psalm 103 can be a real eye-opener. If you have a false concept of how the Lord sees you, it can really be life-changing. In Psalm 103, it says this in verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord... O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now that's an interesting thing. We we usually think in terms of God blessing us, but here it is, we are to bless God. We are to bless God. The word bless means to kneel or to salute or to greet is the idea, all right? The idea is to praise or show favor towards. Now you notice what the psalmist said. He says, bless the Lord, Psalm 103, bless the Lord and all that is within me, bless his holy name. This is a psalm of David. David had an intimate walk with God. The God of the Bible was not some entity or idea that a lot of people paint today, this brutal person, this mean person, or even this person who really doesn't exist. It's just been made up by people. No, God does exist. God is real. We can prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because you can't see him doesn't mean he doesn't exist. Let me tell you something, folks. There's a lot of people in this world you have never seen. And yet if you saw their name in a list somewhere, you would believe they existed. Why is it that people don't want to believe God exists when there is evidence of him everywhere? Okay, it doesn't make sense except that there's somebody who doesn't want you to understand how God really is. And you know, if you've always been a person who has run from God or you're not interested in God, let me say this, you have not seen the God of the Bible. The idea is to praise or show favor towards. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. We are to bless the Lord with every fiber of our bodies. Here's what happens when we do that. I think it's interesting, before the Bible actually gives us the reasons we should bless the Lord or be thankful to him, before we even get there, God challenges us to get the proper mindset. Because here's the thing, if we approach God with the proper mindset, we will see the things about him that he wants us to. And it's life-changing. When we begin with blessing the Lord, we put ourselves in the mindset to recognize his benefits that we have listed here in Psalm 103. His benefits listed here are some of our reasons to be thankful. Someone wisely once said, the key to the ministry, let me say it this way, the key to the Christian life is a grateful heart. And the one we have to whom to be thankful for is God. You might say, oh, I'm thankful for my family. Amen. Who gave you that? Who gave you that family? Oh, I'm, I'm thankful for my house. Who made it possible for you to buy that house? Well, I'm thankful for my car. Good for you. No, who made it possible for you to buy that car? Do you understand where we're going with it? I'm thankful for my health. We'll, we'll get to these things. 
Psalm 103, verse 1 again. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The key to life is a grateful heart. If you want to have a joyful life, a proper life, then learn about God and understand the benefits that he has given. Most people have no idea of what God has done for them. Let me say that again. Most people have no idea of what God has done for them. And if they do, we so often forget what he has done for us. And it leads folks to all kinds of problems in our lives. Psalm 68, 19 says this, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. And then there's that word selah. It means it's a, to pause and reflect on that is the idea. Look at that. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. What are some of the benefits he loads us with every day? Well, we're going to go through this somewhat quickly. The first one we're going to spend more time on than the rest, but I want you to look at 10 of them from the text. All right, the first one is this. What are some of the benefits? Psalm 103, verse 3, it is not accidental that this is listed first. Who forgives all thine iniquities. Who forgives all thine iniquities. The first benefit listed here, and really, folks, in a sense, the most important of all, is the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. It is no accident that the first benefit mentioned is salvation. This is certainly the greatest of all benefits because it is the one that has the most significant, and even more than that, it's the one that has the eternal, never-changing impact on us. Once we have salvation, once we have the forgiveness of sins, once we have eternal life, this is a change that takes place in a moment of time and lasts forever. It is the difference between living in eternal bliss and joy and being in suffering forever. So no wonder it's listed first. I want you to hold your place because we'll be back. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13. The Apostle Paul is speaking and he says this, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, it's referring to Jesus, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. There's that first benefit. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, what is this? There's Jesus. Okay, there's Jesus. And then there's this idea of forgiveness of sins. How does that work? Can I explain that to you right now, how that works? This is the most marvelous truth, the most important truth you can ever know. I'm going to show you an illustration. This helped me understand it. When I first understood it, I was 19 years old, okay? We're going to let my left hand represent you and me, and we're going to let this wallet represent all the things we do wrong in a whole lifetime. Those are our sins, our sins. The word sin means to miss the mark. It's like you taking an arrow, and there's a target, and you shoot at the target, and you miss the bullseye. You miss the mark, okay? You miss the mark of God's perfection. We sin. We go against the Word of God. Here we are we are all sinners. Now, the Bible tells us this. God loves us. God hates our sin, but God loves us. See, sin separates us from God. You cannot get to heaven with even one sin. The book of Revelation tells us that not even one lie 
Not even one sin can enter heaven. Have you ever told a lie before? Don't answer that out loud. Unless you want to. I mean, you can if you want to. Yeah, yeah, I'm a liar. I'm a pathological liar. That's pretty bad if you get to that point. But here's the point. Even one lie would keep you out because it separates you. See, heaven's a perfect place. For you to get in, you've got to be perfect. You have to be sinless. Well, none of us are, right? God says this, that sin, he's a holy God, and that sin has to be paid for. We have violated his laws. We've broken his laws, and there's a payment that must be made. And the Bible tells us the wages or the payment for sin is death. We would have to not only die physically, but we would be separated from God for all eternity. Why? We can't get into heaven with our sin, and it must be paid for. Now, most religions come along, and they tell you, okay, the way you deal with that is you make promises to God. Oh, God, I'm going to turn from all my sins. Nobody does. I'm going to keep your commandments. Nobody does. Okay, you can try, but you fail. The Bible says if you fail in keeping one of them, you're guilty of all. You've you've blown it. I'm going to go to church. Well, that's good, but you know what? That's not going to get you to heaven. I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to, you know, do these rules and those rules of my church. I'm going to give money. I'm going to do all these good things. But the Bible says, folks, that doesn't pay for sin. The wages of sin is death. Death. We would have to physically die and then be separated from God for all eternity. So then what are we going to do? Well, if the best I can do, which is good works, will not take away the sin, then I'm in a predicament, and so are you. And so what did God do? Because he loves us so much, as one pastor friend of mine says, God loves us so much he'd rather die than live without us. And that's what he did. This hand representing the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to earth, God in the flesh, the sinless Son of God. And when he went to the cross... He died on the cross, and he made the payment for our sin. He paid for all of it. Nothing's left. He was buried. He rose from the grave. And he says this in his word. If you will believe that he did that for you, he will give you eternal life. He will declare you as righteous. Do you see it in verses 38 and 39? Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. This is how you can be forgiven. And by him, here you go, here you go. And by him, all that believe, believe, that's it. It's the only thing mentioned. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. That's the commandments. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you put your faith in him that he has paid for all of your sins. The moment you do, he declares you as righteous in his eyes. You go to heaven based on what Christ has done for you. See, we all need a payment for sin. If we say, oh, I'm going to take care of it, I'm going to try to live a good life, and that'll take care of it, God says, no, the wages of sin, remember, is what? Death. Jesus, God in the flesh, came, and he died for us. And when we believe that he did that, the payment he made is put to our account. All of our sins are gone. He gives us eternal life as a gift. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 7, it says this, In whom, referring to Jesus, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of God's grace. Now, I want to show you a little verse over in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that is just absolutely chock full of meaning. Turn with me there, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. 
See, this is why the greatest benefit and every reason to be thankful is the issue of salvation. Wait a minute. You mean to say if I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm saved forever? Yes. You mean to say it's not based on how I live? No. Listen, if it was based on how you live, there's no one in the world who'd ever make it to heaven. Because God requires perfection. Who's perfect? Nobody. That's why Jesus came. Because we could not do it for ourselves. That's why he came into the world. The Bible says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that believeth on him, not condemned. He that believeth not, already condemned. Why? Because you haven't believed. But if you will believe the payment Jesus made, the moment you believe is good on your behalf, he gives you everlasting life. You're forgiven. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. The word unspeakable means indescribable. There, the words cannot express how wonderful, important this is. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, the Bible says, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let me say this, friend. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior, would you trust in him as your Savior right now? He will give you the greatest benefit you can ever have, the greatest gift you can ever receive. You can have everlasting life. You can have a home in heaven simply by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. You're believing that he did that for you. Your faith is in him as your way to heaven. And when that's where you put your faith, the moment you do, he gives you everlasting life. God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's not asking you to clean up your life and then he'll save you. He's saying, no, come just the way you are because you can't pay for your sin outside of spending forever in hell. There'd be no end to that. But when you believe he did it for you, he gives you everlasting life. No wonder the forgiveness of sins is the first thing listed in Psalm 103. Go back there with me. I hope you held your finger there in the text. Psalm 103. And you notice in Psalm 103, there's another one listed. Verse 2 again, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. First, we saw, who forgives all thine iniquities, sins. Who's the forgiver? There's only one person who can forgive your sins. It's God. And if you'll put your faith in Christ, you have the forgiveness of sins. Secondly, though, you notice the next one, who heals all your diseases. This is saying that when we do get healed from a disease, it is the Lord who does it. Have you ever thought about that? You get cut, you stop bleeding. Why do you stop bleeding? God designed it that way. You form a scab, it heals up. Oh, you may have a scar after that, but you're healed. Who put that whole concept of healing in motion? Do you think it just happened? You think nothing ended up creating all of this? Nothing has no attributes. Nothing is nothing. There's nothing there. Nothing doesn't think, smell, create, have any energy. Nothing has no energy, okay? Who heals all of our diseases? 
When we are healed, the Lord is the one who does it. He does it through the design of our healing mechanism in our bodies. He does it miraculously also when it's his will to do so. And he also brings healing through doctors as well and through medicine. I had a thought come to me. It was either today or yesterday. I told my wife, I said, think about it. I said, if the Lord didn't heal us, no one would make it out of infancy. You know how sick kids get, how often they get sick. They're like little Petri dishes running around. But if God did not heal, no one would make it out of infancy. Everybody would die. This is a gift from God. It is one of his benefits. And there will be, by the way, the ultimate healing for the believer one day when we go to be with him in heaven. But you have to put your faith in Christ. You have to be a believer to get in on that. Now, why do I say that? Well, because there are people you might be, and we have people who have chronic sickness and chronic pain and and all that in our church. And that's all over the world, by the way. Do you know what, folks? If you get healed, God is the one who's allowing that to take place. If you don't get healed in this life, if you're a believer, you will get healed the moment you die. And that's a wonderful truth. But you don't get in on that unless you put your faith in Christ the Savior. The unbeliever, when they die, they don't get healed. They go off into torment. And that's an awful thing. He heals all of our diseases. Psalm 103, verse 4, "...who redeemeth thy life from destruction." who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Let's look at these. Number three, he redeems our life from destruction. We see that in verse four. He not only protects us from the dangers of this world physically, he also protects us from spiritual dangers and sources of destruction. He gives victory over our problems, over our attitudes, over our addictions. He is the source. Jesus Christ is the source of healing and the protector. He redeems us. He delivers us. He purchases us out of destruction. This covers several areas. One, he delivers our lives from sin and its consequences as believers as we walk with him. Another way, he delivers our lives from dangers in the sense of protecting us and guarding us at times of danger. You know, if we were to stop the service right now and and I was just to say, let's just sit and let's just share some stories here. Does anybody have a story? Now, I'm not going to do this, so don't raise your hand. Does anybody have a story of how God miraculously delivered you from harm? Listen, there'd be hands all over the place. It's one of his benefits. It's one of his benefits. Yeah, I think I have just ran through my mind the, the thought, I, and it ran through and I caught it, by the way, so it didn't just go on the other end. Children, think of how many things God protects children from. A lot of us, when we were kids, you know, we didn't think twice about jumping off of a roof. I'm not going to do that now. You shouldn't do it either, by the way. So both of these have a lot to do with us believing what the Lord tells us in the Bible and then obeying it, being delivered, redeeming our life from destruction. You trust that what God says is true and you rest on that. God honors faith in him. This is foundational to the Christian life. You enter the Christian life by faith in Jesus Christ. You live the Christian life by faith in Jesus Christ. Trusting him, trusting his word, 
believing what the Bible says, living the way the Bible says, not to get to heaven, but because we're already his children. We're on our way. Let me give you a fourth one here. We see it in verse four. He crowns us. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now that's an interesting word. I looked up the word crown here. It means to encircle for protection, to encircle for protection. God encircles us. He crowns us with loving kindness. You know, we look at the word loving kindness and it kind of blows by us, but break it in half. How does God see me? How does God see you? He encircles us with loving kindness. Is that the same picture that the unbelieving world wants to paint of our God? No, they don't know him. They don't know him. He encircles us with loving kindness. He deals with us in love and kindness and is merciful to us. Who says there's no grace in the Old Testament? I see it written all through these pages, don't you? I think about this. I think about these verses, and I, and I think in my mind, why are so many people running from God? Why are they running? Why is it that there are people, we'll, we'll invite them to like today. We'll invite them to church, and, and so it's like, no, 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 yeah, I don't want to. You know, they start sweating for fear. You know, if they, if they walk in the doors here, they're going to get the bubonic plague or something like that. Maybe a new strain of COVID. I'm not going there. It's not infested with great white sharks, okay? We're nice people. Just here. We don't want anything from you. We want to give you what God wants to give you. But you can't receive it unless you know about it. And that's where we come in. I hope you understand this, folks. He crowns us with loving kindness. Don't run from him. He loves you. He's provided eternal life for you. Psalm 103, verse 5. I love this one. In light of, now think about this, in light of what we're about to receive in a few minutes with this delicious Thanksgiving meal. He satisfies our mouth with good things, verse 5. Now I know there's stuffy people who will say, well, this must be speaking in some spiritual, vague. Why? It's not. It says what it means, and it means what it says. There is no reason not to take this verse literally. Is it not what we often think of when we think of a Thanksgiving meal? He satisfies our mouth with good things. That's why he gave us taste buds. He didn't have to give us taste buds. Even though we create recipes, the Lord is the one who designed the spices and flavors, etc., to where we can discover how those things go together, and we can enjoy that. God's the one who came up with that idea. God is a God of great detail. And those of you who cook, you know how important details are. Follow the recipe, all right? Now, I know some, they say, well, no, just throw a little bit of this, you know, a little bit of that, kind of like a mad professor kind of thing. Well, sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't work. And I know as you get older, you usually do better through experience. But God is a God of detail. Listen, you can have something and you can say, well, okay, it it calls for this much. You know, I'm going to put a little bit of salt in there. But, you know, sometimes you just go over just a little bit on something. and It's like, what happened? You went too far. God has provided all these things. Number six, he provides food for us 
so that we can physically be strong to serve him and be used by him. That's the second part of verse 5. So that, remember, he satisfies our mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Proper food makes us physically strong so we as his children can serve him and be used of him and be a blessing not only to him, but also to others. What a blessing it is to be a blessing. What a blessing to be a blessing. He has blessed us not only with taste buds, but sources of nutrition. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Isn't it great that on day six, God created the Snickers bar? I am kidding on that. Okay, I am kidding. And it's probably not the best source of nutrition, although I I guess you could stretch it a little bit by a few of the things in there. Aren't there nuts in Snickers bars? Well, hey, it's a good source of protein. Okay. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. I just want to focus on the last part of the verse. We'll deal more in detail with this in a few weeks when we get to verse 17 in our study in 1 Timothy. But it says this in verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, here it is, here it is, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Does that sound like a mean, nasty God you don't want to have anything to do with? No, God has, folks, has given us, he has created a world that has so many wonderful things in it. Think about something as stunning as a sunrise or a sunset. Think about that. The rainbow. Then we get so excited when we see a double rainbow. They say, how does that work? Well, I know there's probably people in this room who could explain it, but you know what? You don't need to explain it to me. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm amazed at what God does. Let's move on. Psalm 103, verse 6. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Number seven, he is on our side. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, if you're a child of God, he is on your side. He will defend us when we are attacked unjustly, just like any good parent would defend their children if their children were attacked. Wouldn't you? Those of you who have a family living at home, if in the middle of the night you heard someone break into your house, men, wouldn't you rise to the occasion and either get your gun or get your bat or whatever it is and go take care of business and do what you need to do to protect? I'd say, why do we do that? Well, it's because God put it in us to protect. That's why. Because he's the great protector. He protects his children. The Lord is the model of that for our lives. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. We don't use the word chide that often anymore. The eighth benefit is he deals with us from the perspective of a loving father. Now that carries through all the way through verse 14. He will not always chide. The word chide means to strive with, to strive with. This is because of verse 8 and also verse 10. He is gracious with us. I find this. I find that God with his children is usually gentle. Have you found that in your own life? He speaks to us through the pages of Scripture. We sense his love. Oh, when there's conviction, there's conviction. It's there. 
But I don't think there's a lot of us in this room when we have sin that God struck us with lightning. He could have. He's the creator of it. He knows how to point it. He knows how to hit target if he wants. But that's not his point with his children. His point with his children, he loves to wrap his arms around us and pour out his grace and his love and kindness towards us and bless our lives with all kinds of good things. He deals with us from the perspective of a loving father. Men, listen, if you've grown up in a, in a home where you did not have a good role model for a dad, maybe you didn't even have a dad, so to speak. He was never around. You hardly knew him or didn't know him. Can I tell you this? You can be a good dad. All you need to do is learn what the Bible says about how God deals with us. Be balanced about it. Learn all you can about it. Don't be one-sided. But when you learn how God deals with us, then you're learning how we are to deal with our own children. And you'll be a good dad. By the way, that's another one of the benefits God gives us. Number nine, he does not deal with us according to our sin. For it is forever removed. What a truth. Look at verse 10. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. He has not given us what we deserve. When we sin, he doesn't usually give us what we deserve. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him, those that respect him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now that's only for the believer. But if you have put your faith in Christ, it's true. God has forgiven you of all your sin. He's removed them. As a matter of fact, one of the words for grace means to send away. There's two words in the New Testament for grace. To send away. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed. Aren't you glad? You know, maybe you're somebody, you didn't get saved until later in life, and maybe you had a sordid past. Maybe you had all kinds of things in your life that are problems, that are things you're ashamed of that you did, or the way you were, or whatever it is. I got news for you. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, when you trusted Him as Savior, He blew them away, and they're never coming back. But that's only for the believer. If you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, He hasn't removed your transgressions from you. Remember this? The only way you get those removed is you put your faith in Christ and the payment he made then is good on your behalf. But you have to trust in him. Lastly, he deals with us in grace or unmerited kindness. Verses 13 and 14. I love this. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. That's not an excuse to live carelessly. It's a motivation to live properly. God loves me that much. God cares about me that much. God wants to bless my life. God wants to use me. God wants me to know him. Yep. Yep. That's why it says what it does in verse one, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Listen this morning, God loves you. Can I tell you this? God loves you and he wants you to be his child. And he sent his son to die in your place to pay for your sin so you don't have to do it. And Jesus did that 
And for that to be good on your behalf, all you have to do is believe he did it for you. Put your faith in him that he's paid for your sins. And he will give you everlasting life. Two verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, for by grace, there's that word grace again. For by grace are you saved through faith, faith in Christ. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Salvation's a gift, not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you see it? No matter how much good work you try to do, it'll never earn you salvation. Jesus has bought and paid your way. And all he's asking you to do is put your faith in him and he will give you eternal life as a gift. No strings attached. Does that sound good to you? I hope it sounds good to you. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you do that this morning? God wants you in on all of his benefits, especially the forgiveness of sins. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.